Welcome back to the Teacher Fit Podcast. This week, we're talking about being in alignment and setting healthy boundaries with Dory Katsionis. Welcome back to the Teacher Fit Podcast. This week, there has been plenty of me talking, so I'm excited to have a guest on the show to share her story and message. She's putting out some great content that has been inspiring to me, and I think all of you are gonna benefit as well. We are fortunate this week to have Dory Katsionis on the show from New York, bringing her message of balance and wellness. Welcome to the show, Dory. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's it's great to bring other, you know, educational, educationally involved individuals onto the show that again have a great message, have their own journeys and stories. And I think yours is a powerful one. So I, I really appreciate your time and I think our audience will get a lot out of it. So I want to dive right in and just have you share who you are, where you're from, what you teach. Give us kind of your background. Yeah, so uh, like you said, I am in New York on Long Island. Um, this is my 10th year teaching. Um, it would have been my 11th, but I did spend one year outside of the classroom um, that we can talk about a little bit. It's definitely part of my journey. Okay. Um, but right now I am a uh, high school special education teacher and I'm currently teaching 10th and 11th graders um, in the social studies classroom. So I do co-teaching for part of my day. Um, I also have these smaller 15-1 um, settings um, with you know just a few students where I'm the only teacher. Um, and yeah, I am a first, on a personal level, I'm a first time homeowner with my boyfriend. So Congrats. thank you. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, you know, there's my days are full. Um, and yeah, I, I am loving what I do. So it's, it's taken a while to get to this place, but yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So are you an educator who has that like teacher from your background that inspired you when you were four years old or, you know, nine years old that you just wanted to be a teacher or like, how, how did that happen? How did you decide? When did you decide to become an educator? Yeah. So, um, my mom is a teacher. So I grew up watching her. Um, it, I mean, it was a little different back then. So like there were definitely times like I could like be in her classroom, right? Um, and what I really got to see her do, um, she was a class advisor. Okay. Um, so all those like um, homecoming activities, junior prom, senior prom, um, I got to watch her and, and she would like take me and my brother to these after school activities. Um, you know, I, I got to watch her like build relationships with these teenagers. Um, and, and I got to watch her build these relationships with them and watch that relationship grow. Um, and a lot of those students actually became like, uh, friends later on, right? Like, you kind of got to see that connection, that lifelong connection right. really build and then see that, um, you know, after graduation. 
Um, so my mom being such a, a passionate educator um, and, and really just like having that human connection with her students was a huge inspiration from the get-go. Um, so education was always an option for me. Um, I went into college, uh, undergrad, as a history major. And so I actually remember um, like day one, sitting with all the other history majors, um, where they basically told us like, if you are a history major, you do one of two things. You either teach or you go to law school. Right. <laughs> um, and I did consider both. <laughs> I, I took my LSATs my junior year. Um, and you know, I, I had a good enough score where I could have gone to law school if I wanted to. Um, but once I started like my observations, um, you know, in New York, you have to have a crazy amount of observation hours, um, to, on your path to certification. Um, and once I was, once I was in the classroom, right, even just in the capacity of watching other teachers, I just realized I always felt like I was at home. And when I think back to my own experience throughout school, um, I, I, I just always liked being there. So, and I realized that that was because of my own teachers, that I had great educators along the way, right. making it feel like home and making it a good experience. Um, and I think that's a really special thing that we get to, like, I mean, we get a new class every year, right? I'm in my, I'm in my 10th year, I've done this already. But those kids that are in front of me, they get one shot at their high school career. They get one shot at their 10th grade year, right? So I feel so fortunate that I get to be a part of that experience for them and that I can help mold that and shape that. And that's, that is a big responsibility. Uh, and it's something I think about often, like how am I showing up every day and impacting these kids in, in small ways and big ways? And I think that's cool that we get to do that. Yeah, such a cool thing. And I think a lot of times when things get hard, specifically, you know, this year is a great example. Things get hard. We, t we turn it, we turn into ourselves and we're focused on like, Hey, this is going on in my life and this is hard. And the, I'm struggling with these things. And we forget to really be grateful for that opportunity to impact students. And if we really look back, we can probably determine, you know, it gets harder as you get older like me, but which teachers were focused and grateful for that opportunity to provide an impact on our lives. And they're the ones you still remember. You remember the names, you remember things they said, you remember the things they taught, whether that was, you know, uh, like actual classroom material or life material, which I argue is more important. Um, and you realize the teachers that didn't. And I think that's, you know, a great thing to remember. And I love that story of the multi-generational teacher. I've talked to quite a few, you know, educators who are like, oh yeah, my, my father or my mother was an educator. And I kind of followed in that footstep and they set the example. I think that's cool to see because you never hear about that, that like generational pathway in education, but it's cool, cool to hear that story. Uh, I want to get into your journey, which you kind of hit on, on your Instagram profile, right at the top is a quote that says from overwhelmed and in doubt to aligned and in love. And I want to dive into that message and your story, if you can share it with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially that piece, that in doubt piece. 
um, you know, hindsight is always 2020, right? So um, when I look back to my years early on in my career, um, I, and I'm still recovering from this, I am the biggest people pleaser. So that in doubt piece is about being in the classroom, but in your head, you have all of those external voices, like kind of um, influencing what you're doing and what you're saying, right? Um, and really, when you're in that space, you're trying so hard to meet the expectations of so many others that you think you should be doing this or you should be saying that or, oh my God, that student just misbehaved in that way and that shouldn't be happening in my class or why did I let that happen or what would so-and-so say about that, right? Um, I found that I was constantly like spinning my wheels thinking about what other people would say about what I was doing. And when you're in that headspace, you always feel like you're coming up short. And, and I feel like, especially as a teacher, you know, I know we're not the only profession where we're observed, right, on our performance, but we hold so much weight in what other people are going to say about our lesson or about our classroom environment. And the reality is that that is really just one person's opinion, right? Um, and we really shouldn't be putting so much of like our value as, as a teacher. And I think teachers, we our personal identity and our professional identity kind of like intertwine so much mm -hmm. that we tie our value even as a person to what that one person is going to say about our performance in the classroom. Um, so, I really struggled with that in the beginning um, in terms of exhausting myself, worrying, am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? Um, and, and trying to perform at a level where even myself, I had put this like picture in my head of what teaching was going to be like. And unfortunately that picture that I put in my head was like a really perfect scenario. And I always felt like, uh, okay, that was messy or that wasn't good or, you know, uh, I need to do something different. Right. And I, I started to realize that anytime I, I did trust my gut or trust my instinct as a teacher, everything worked out. Maybe it didn't look perfect, but I realized that I, I am able to connect with my students um, even if I'm not teaching the perfectly executed lesson or my closure wasn't good enough, right? Um, or maybe I didn't even get to my closure. <laughs> like all of that stuff, I was starting to realize like that's okay. And no matter what someone else is going to say about that lesson structure, right? Or that activity throughout the, throughout the, the school year, I'm able to build a relationship with my students and, I show up in a way where they're going to be engaged because we're, we're building that relationship. And I can't fully build that relationship if I'm not showing up aligned and present. And it's really hard to be present when you're worried about so many other things. Right. And 
I realized that that was, that was a mindset practice, right? That was not um, PD in the sense of I need to learn this behavior strategy or this type of lesson activity, like those you can learn along the way. Um, but if I'm showing up stressed out, if I'm showing up worried, if I'm showing up like misaligned, right? Not in alignment with who I am as a person. Um, the kids, the kids can sense that. And I'm going to hit my, my threshold for stress a lot sooner. And that's not really good for anybody. Right. Um, so yeah, over the last like two or three years, I've really, um, been doing the inner work and that, that personal development work. Um, and that has overflowed into the classroom. And I feel so much more confident and, like I said, in love with, with what I'm doing now. Um, and that's just because I feel, I, I feel aligned with, with who I am as a person and with who I am as a teacher. So no matter what anybody else has to say about, about what I'm doing, I respect the opinion. I, I, I can absolutely learn from it. I'm not saying, you know, toss it out. It doesn't matter. Um, but I'm not tying that to my identity where if they felt like I fell short, then I appreciate the feedback. Um, I'll consider it. And I will always, you know, look in the mirror and think about what can I do better, but it's not, it doesn't mean that I failed right. as a teacher or as a person. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I appreciate and honor you being vulnerable and sharing that with us. I really appreciate that. I wanna pull on a couple things and highlight and kind of bring clarity to the experience that I think you have or had and you're currently and have been working through it that other people are gonna to relate to immediately with regards to wellness. And the first one is when you were, when you were inside of that people pleasing and you were exhausting yourself with those you know, mental and emotional experiences, what what overflow did that have into your personal life? What what impacts did it have? You know, what experiences did that cause? Um, yeah, that's the first question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that has um, definitely made my relationships a lot stronger, um, in the sense that I'm. I know I'm not always looking for that like external validation, mm -hmm. um, whether it's, whether it's my boyfriend, whether it's my mom, whether it's my friends. Um, I feel like my own personal voice is a lot stronger and I can uh, very clearly ask for what I need and not feel like I'm being a burden or, um, or yeah, like, like I shouldn't be asking. Right. Um, so my own personal voice is a lot clearer in that respect. Um, and then I'm, I'm just a lot calmer and less stressed. You know, I, I feel like I used to spend a lot of time and a lot of energy worrying about what other people thought. And I, I, I don't do that nearly as much anymore. Um, and you know, a, a big, a big piece of that or a big turning point for me. Um, and this might be a little bit of a tangent, but I'm going to go for it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Um, there was, a an author, um, her name is Byron Katie and her book. It's, uh, it has, it's like one of the cheesiest titles, 
Um, (laughs) So the title is, um, I Need Your Love, Is That True? And truthfully, I don't remember how that book like came across my path, um, but ultimately I ended up reading it. And it was about that inner dialogue that you have with yourself and learning how to work with that inner dialogue and, and question your thoughts. And there's one piece of that book that, that stuck with me where she, she basically said, like, whether you are in a relationship or you're, you're not, whether you're in a room with a ton of people or you're by yourself, the one person, I'm putting this in quotes, person that you are with is yourself and that inner voice. And you need to learn how to have a healthy conversation or a healthy inner dialogue with that voice. Um, and she calls it the work, capital T, capital W. And basically when you have a thought, right? Um, and it, it could be a thought that's, that's causing you stress. You have to ask yourself, is that true? So if I think I'm going to tie it to the classroom, right? If, uh, if I am being observed and I'm in the middle of the observation and I see my administrator like with a certain look on their face and I think, oh, they didn't like that, you know? And then I'm stressing out for the rest of the lesson. That thought, oh, they didn't like that. You think to yourself, you have the conversation with yourself. Is that true? And you might say yes at first, And then you ask yourself again, can I know that 100% to be true? And that answer is always no. Because really what you're doing is you're creating a story in your head, but you have no idea what that other person is thinking. You have no idea what that other person is experiencing. And I started to apply that to my entire life. Um, And it really helped me gain a a level of self-awareness of these, these patterns of thought that were causing me stress. And it's something I, I, it's a tool I always fall back to. And that self-awareness has been huge. It was, it's really the first step to me making any sort of change, um, mentally, physically, or emotional, um, physically, emotionally, you know, all the stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's an amazing tool. Cause oftentimes the stress we put on ourselves based on assumptions nine times out of 10 aren't true, you know, and we, the stress in our head is so much worse than actual real life. Like we convince ourselves these things. We don't take action steps because we're scared or we assume it's going to come out this way. And it's absolutely not true. That's such a powerful tool. So I appreciate you sharing that. How would you define alignment? You've said it multiple times and you're aligned now that you've done the work and you continue to do the work. What does that mean to you to be aligned? Yeah. So for me, um, I actually just did this. Um, it was a presentation for educators to educators, um, their New Year's reboot. And this is kind of like what my uh, my session was geared towards. Mm-hmm. Um, so being in alignment means that you are actively um, connecting or consciously connecting to the, the things that you value as a person and that you are disconnecting from all of those external measures, right? That, that we, we tend to put a lot of attention on. Um, and a lot of times that can be the expectations of others. Um, 
uh, or that can be like the, you know, the to-do lists, right? If I don't get X, Y, and Z done by the end of the day, um, you know, uh, well, then I failed for the day, right? Or I'm going to feel like I wasn't as productive as I, as I should have been. But when big picture, like those things don't really matter, right? If I'm in alignment and I'm, and I'm actively connecting each day to the things that I value, then that, that is being in alignment. So it's very, very easy to get distracted by all of the, the items on our to-do list or the expectations of others. Um, that truly it's, it's impossible to meet all of those expectations and get all those things done every single day. Right. So if I'm going to tie my, my days and my alignment to those things, I'm always going to fall short. But if I take the time, even if it's five minutes every day to connect with, with the things that, that bring me joy um, and the things that I value, like big picture at the end of my life, what am I going to value most? I want to connect to those things every single day. Yeah, it's such a powerful thing. And it transitions, segues perfectly to my next question. As we've talked about doing the work long term, and you've been at this for a while, what daily, weekly habits do you have in place mentally, physically, emotionally, that set you up for success and allow you to maintain this momentum and continue your wellness? Yeah, so I... I realized for myself, like I had to simplify it in order to stay consistent. Um, Because at the beginning of this journey, I was definitely trying to like do all the things. Um, And again, like felt like I was falling short if I didn't do all the things. Um, So I kind of narrowed it down to the three M's and that is movement, mindset, and meditation. Now, do I get to all three M's every single day? Not necessarily, but if I'm incorporating at least one of them every single day, then my foundation over the weeks, the months, the years are built on those three ends. And so um, meditation, I I know, I I feel like I actually put a question out on on Instagram, like if people do it Mm -hmm. and then if their answer was yes, how do they feel about it? Like, what are their thoughts? And one of the consistent answers was they love it, but it's hard to stick with it or it's hard to stay consistent. And I totally get it because it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Right. Um, or I actually, I think I want to rephrase that because we think it's not an easy thing to do, but really it's just about committing to a minimum of five minutes, right? Cause that's really all it takes. Um, I've only graduated to 10 minutes, to be honest. Like I'm not sitting here for 45 minutes meditating (laughs) Um, because that's really hard to do. For sure. Um, But it's really just committing to five minutes of, of intentionally just focusing on your breath um, and, and clearing out those external factors that I keep talking about. Right. Because if you don't commit to that for five minutes, If you don't set that intention, you're not going to do it. Right. That's why it's a practice. Um, And I, I had to learn how to do it. And I had to really like commit to it mentally where like, okay, I am going to do this in the morning. And if I don't get to it in the morning, I'm going to do it when I get home from work. 
or I'm going to do it for five minutes before bed. Um, that has been like a really, really important piece to, to my, my own personal journey is learning how to empty my mind for at least right. a few minutes. Um, the mindset is really that, that, um, self-awareness of, of, of your thoughts, right? Your thought patterns. Um, and again, that takes practice too. It's, it's a constant dialogue. And that's one of the interesting things too, is that you don't do this work for like two years and then you get there and you're done and on to the next thing, right? Like that meditative practice, that mindset practice, you're always going to be having that conversation with yourself, um, and there's always going to be something new to like unravel about yourself um, and explore. And when you approach it that way, it's actually kind of cool and interesting. Um, and then the movement, my goodness, like exercise, working out has been a, a huge part of, of what I do for a, over a decade now. Um, I was an athlete growing up. Um, basketball and softball, you know, nothing crazy. Like I wasn't going to like go to school on scholarships or anything like that. But, <laughs> um, but I loved it. I loved like the, the competitive um, aspects. Um, I loved having coaches that pushed me. Um, you know, those are people that I remember too, not just teachers, but like the coaches that I've had throughout the years. Absolutely. Um, and then I, I started to, in college, um, go to the gym with my mother. Um, we had a personal trainer, like you, together, we would be in the same session. That was a, so much fun. Um, and then my dad passed in 2010. And for about two years after that, I actually stopped working out completely. Um, and I realized, right, that and I did, I, you know, I, I gained weight. I, I realized like, um, I, I almost felt like I didn't know my body after a certain amount of time. Like my, I could, I was feeling pain that I had never felt before. Um, I wasn't moving like as freely as I wanted to. Um, and I realized in 2012, I, I had to get back on it. Um, and that was when I realized like, all right, like, this, this has to be a, a habit. Um, this needs to just be incorporated into my day to day. And I, I would show up to the gym when I was first getting back into it and I would sit in my car in the parking lot and be like, I just want to go nap. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would say to myself, all right, well, if you go home and you get on that couch, right. Um, you already know the outcome because you're, you were living that for two years. You know where that leads you. But if you get you know, into the gym for the next hour instead of laying down for the next hour, that hour is going to make a change. You don't know exactly how it's going to change you. You don't know exactly how long it's going to take for you to see the change, but you know it's going to be something different because you're not going to be doing the same thing. Right. So um, again, I know I went off on a tangent on that <laughs> one, but... Those are my, my three M's. <laughs> no, I love, I love the three M's. Uh, I think everyone can use those and just, like you said, keep it simple. Make sure it's consistent every single day or at least one or two of them. You have movement, you have mindset, you have meditation. And on the meditation piece, I think we, 
anyone who says they're like a great meditator or they were great when they started are probably lying to you. Like it's so it's, it's a hard practice and that's why it is a practice. Like it takes lots and lots of time. Something I love that our mindfulness director, Allison always talks about is just begin again. Like if you lose, lose track of thought or your, you know, things start popping in your mind, just start over, like begin again and try to refocus. And it's, it's such a powerful thing to remember. And the benefits are endless. Like, you know, I struggle to keep it consistent because it's not like a immediate feedback loop, right? I don't, I don't meditate and also I'm like, oh, I am just this mindful person that's just feeling great. I'm like, uh, I think that may have did something. I'm not sure. Whereas like a workout, I feel like I did something. Um, so it's a struggle. So if you guys are out there and you're, you know, you're continuing to work through that journey, stay with it, find a tool that can help you with it, whether it's our teacher fit mindfulness or the calm app or whatever it may be, you know, use those resources. I want to transition something you talked about a lot on your profile and in your stories are boundaries and setting boundaries and, and teachers, educators on the whole are these giving passionate individuals who oftentimes, and I talk about this a lot, sacrifice themselves for their students, their work, their passion. How have you found and what advice would you give to someone that's struggling to set those boundaries, whether that's like working late at night, being in this virtual world that we're now in, being available to parents and students at all hours, all those types of things. What, where, like how have you learned to set boundaries and then what advice would you give for someone that maybe needs to set those boundaries for their weekends, for their evenings, for their mornings, for their midday, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it goes back to um, expectations that like we set for ourselves and the expectations of others or even our perceived expectations of others, right? Because there have definitely been times where, um, let's say I get uh, an email from a parent at nine o'clock at night, right? right? And I, I choose not to answer it until the next day, um, at, but I think that's gonna create a problem, right? Or I think that the parent expects a, an email back right away, or my administrator thinks, why, why didn't you answer that immediately? Nine times out of 10, it's fine. Right. Like there's this um, urgency that I think sometimes we feel as educators that it's expected of us to be giving all the time. And that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if and th this also goes back to alignment, too. Right. Like if you if, if it's a Thursday night and it's 830 and you truly want to have your laptop open and working on that that project that you want to give your kids, right? Then by all means, go for it. If that's what's lighting you up and you feel passionate about it and you feel moved to do it in that moment. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be, nor should it be expected of us to be working until 8.30 at night every single night. Right. Um, so it, it really comes down to being conscious of and aware of what you're doing um, and then making that choice and, and sticking with it, being consistent that I'm going to leave work at work. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I realized when I started to make those choices was that I, I'm still 
I'm still the teacher that I, I know I can be, and I'm still showing up for my kids every single day and building those relationships. Even if I left work at two o'clock and I, I didn't look at it again until I got there at seven o'clock in the morning the next day. Right. Right. So that is okay. Um, and really, I, I think my advice is to maybe new teachers, right. Or teachers struggling with this is that, um, like, like be aware if, if that suggestion kind of triggers you because then I, I think that's a signal that there is some inner work that you need to do or some mindset work that you need to do because it doesn't make you a bad teacher if you leave work at work right. and you go home and you do things that fill you up personally. You, you can have the time to, to work out. You can have the time to get five minutes of meditation in. You can have time to um, start up a journaling practice. Um, which I'll admit that's not something I do every single day. Um, but it has, it's been a tool that has helped me learn about myself. Right. Um, and that's really important because we're teachers doesn't mean we should forego all of those things, um, to, to benefit others. We have plenty to give with those boundaries set. Right. Yeah, I think that's a, a powerful message, and I'm, I'm glad you focus on it and it hopefully inspire others to focus on it because I think the real takeaway is that when you have those boundaries, when you come back into work or you come back into the classroom from being outside of work, you're actually better for it. It doesn't take away from your work, from your impact on students or your staff or whoever it may be, it actually adds to it. So I, I love that message and it's such an important thing that people need to realize. I struggle with it. Uh, I know a lot of other educators struggle with it, so it's, it's a great message. I'm gonna give you a couple quick hitter questions to wrap up the show today. I know you, you obviously you have your three M's, so this first one ties right in. What is your favorite movement or wellness practice? First thing that pops in your head. Oh, um, well, movement, <laughs> uh, actually deadlifts came up. <laughs> deadlifts popped in. I love it. Yeah. Like strength work. Um, and I think it's because like, I just feel really, really strong. Like whether I'm doing it with a, a kettlebell dumbbells or, you know, the bar, mm -hmm. I, um, I didn't like it at first, but it's actually, um, it's, it really is a favorite. So <laughs> awesome. the world needs more deadlifting. I can say that. <laughs> For sure. I love, so, it. <laughs> I love that answer. Number two, what's your favorite comfort food or activity? Ooh. I know we mentioned napping earlier, but yeah, All right. That's so you already know. So I wouldn't even go there. Um, side note, one of my best friends, she calls me the nap queen. So napping. You know what? Grilled cheese came to mind first. I, I, that's definitely from, so I'm Greek. You guys already know from my last name. Um, and I grew up, my family owns a diner and awesome. I grew up eating grilled cheeses quite a bit. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Deadlifts and grilled cheese. We can make a brand out of this. Uh, the last one, what is your one message? And I think we've already covered it. Your one message. If you could send a text to every educator in the world, they're going to get it. They're going to read it. What is that message? 
trust your instincts because your mark, your unique mark on education, only you can do it. Um, doesn't matter what any, anybody else's opinion has been, um, you can only connect to your students the way you can. Yep. And like you said earlier, when, when you do the inner work, when you dig in, you're going to show up strong and authentic for your students and, and passionate. And you know what? Now more than ever, that's what our kids need. They need passionate, present educators. And, you know, I, I hope that I can help influence others to be their best selves, both in the classroom and outside. Absolutely. I love that answer. And you are influencing people, whether you know it or not. I know sometimes it's a thankless work to try and inspire educators or anyone for that matter to take care of themselves and do that inner work, but you're doing great things. Where can everyone follow you and check things out and be inspired by you? Yeah, so my main jam is Instagram. I did not mean to rhyme that, by the way. So <laughs> we've, got, we've got more talent. There we go. Um, and I am uh, the balanced teacher, the underscore balanced underscore teacher. Um, and I, I wish I was more active on Twitter, but I just can't seem to to get into it. So I'm not I'm not holding myself, uh, you know in uh, too much, too much shape. If that's your balance and your boundary, that is fine. There we go. Uh, Guys, make sure to check out Dory on Instagram. Her profile will be linked in the show notes. Show her some love. Tag her if you liked this podcast. Let her know what you think. Reach out and support her awesome work. Dory, it has been amazing to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time at the end of your workday today. Thank you. My gosh, Nick, this is awesome. Absolutely. Guys, if you like the show, please give us a five-star review, share it with a friend, a co-teacher, someone who needs to hear this message of doing the inner work of the three M's, movement, mindset, and meditation. We appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you next week.